All right, Deuteronomy chapter 5, we're going to start in verse number 22. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse number 22. I really want to speak to you on just basically one verse, and I have uh, basically three points I want to cover. Uh, but let's, let's read from 22 down to verse number 29. The Bible says, These words the Lord spake unto all your assembly in the mount, out of the midst of the fire, of the cloud, and of the thick darkness, with a great voice. And he added no more. And he wrote them in two tables of stone and delivered them unto me. Now, I don't know if it was just me, but for the longest time when I read Exodus chapter 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5, uh, which are the two accounts of the Ten Commandments, where God gave the Ten Commandments from Mount Sinai, for the longest time I did not realize that God spoke the Ten Commandments audibly from the top of Mount Sinai so that the children of Israel could hear. And then afterward, he inscribed those commandments on two tables of stone two different times, because Moses broke them the first time, of course. But, uh, but there is great significance in the fact that the Lord spoke them audibly to the children of Israel um, uh, while, while uh, they were gathered in Mount Sinai. Verse 23 says, It came to pass when ye heard the voice out of the midst of the darkness, for the mountain did burn with fire, that ye came near unto me, even all the heads of your, of your tribes and your elders. And ye said, Behold, the Lord our God hath showed us his glory and his greatness, and we have heard his voice out of the midst of the fire. We have seen this day that God doth talk with man, and he liveth. Now therefore, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us. If we hear the voice of the Lord our God any more, then we shall die. For who is there of all flesh that hath heard the, the voice of the living God speaking out of the midst of the fire as we have and lived? Go thou near. Of course, now this is Israel speaking to Moses. Go thou near. Hear all that the Lord our God shall say. And speak thou unto us all that the Lord our God shall speak unto thee. And we will hear it and do it. And the Lord heard the voice of your words when ye spake unto me, and the Lord said unto me, I have heard the voice of the words of this people which they have spoken unto me. They have well said all that they have spoken. Oh, that there were such an heart in them, that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to study your word. Lord, would you please bless as we uh, dive into your word, as we try to, uh, try to understand it and see what lesson, see what truth you have for us, please teach us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So in, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, you have kind of the repercussions. Actually, Deuteronomy, the word means second law. And it is, the, it is Moses, when they're right on the other side of the Jordan, about to go into the land of Canaan, Moses is recounting what God has done for the past 40 years in the wilderness. And uh, when he's doing that, he goes over the Ten Commandments. He talked about how that God spoke to them from the mountain and how that the people answered and said, Moses, if we hear God's voice, we will die. We want you to go listen to God. And then whatever you say, God says, that's what we will do. 
In fact, if you read verse 27 once again, at the end of the verse, it's very important. It says, uh, starting from the middle, And speak thou unto us all that the Lord our God shall speak unto thee, and we will hear it and do it. Notice what they're, what they're saying. That's a, that's a solemn statement. And God was happy with what they said. God was pleased with those words. He says, And the Lord heard the voice of your words when you spake unto me. And the Lord said unto me, I have heard the voice of the words of this people which they have spoken unto me. They have well said all that they have spoken. So God was pleased with what they said, but there's one thing in verse 29 that indicates that those were, and God knew, those were just words. Because verse 29, there, there's, there's a, a lot of truth in verse 29. There's a lot of uh, truth in verse 29. He says, Oh, that there were such an heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always that it might be well with them and with their children forever. Let me just say, first of all, this mention of commandments. Commandments in our day, in our country, the command, in Christianity now, have kind of gotten a bad rap. Uh, what do I mean by that? I mean, uh, some people, if you listen to some preachers, some Christians, uh, the idea that God has commandments is distasteful to a lot of people, that God tells us what to do. And there's a big movement... Um, and I hope to kind of hope to kind of clarify that a little bit, or at least address it to some degree. There's a big movement to kind of downplay the commandments because, after all, uh, and they call it the, the the words they use. Some of you might have heard it is the idea of performance, living, you know, trying to trying to to uh, live in such a way that you're performing for God, and you you want God to love you, you want God to be uh, to to give you grace, so that you have to live certain ways. Of course, that's not what the Bible's teaching, and that's not what, what this is saying at all. But in the New Testament, there are commandments. Jesus said, if you love me, what? Keep my commandments. Commandments are not bad. And to every born-again believer who has the Spirit of God, who has a new nature, those commandments, the Lord said himself, are not what? Why, why do y'all know that so well? Of course. Because every one of us has dealt with that part of our nature that finds them grievous, right? That finds them grievous. But in reality, they're not. It's just our, our flesh really does not like to submit to God's will. It's just that simple. Now, there's three things I want you to see in verse 29. The three things I want you to see in verse 29. We'll start at the end. It says, Oh, that there was such an heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always. Listen to what it says. So you, you have God saying he wants them to keep the commandments always that it might be well with them. So what you see in this is that when God gave the commandments to begin, when those commandments, whether it's, you know, whether it's the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai or whether it's any other commandment, maybe in the book of Proverbs, maybe in the New Testament epistles, maybe in the teachings of the Lord and the Gospels, wherever the commandments of God are, 
What you see in this is God's intention in giving the commandment was for our good. You see that? It's not just a matter of God telling us what to do, to, and, and He has perfect right to do that, and we must obey. He is Lord of all. But His intention in giving the commandments was not simply, uh, not simply born out of that, that fact. His, within God's commandments, and you see it in verse 29, within God's commandments is a blessing. You see that? Encapsulated in the commandment is the blessing. And this blessing is such that you can only receive this blessing. And the, and the blessing I'm referring to in verse 29 is that it might be well with them. So here's the, here's the bottom line. Israel, if they followed the commandments of God, good things would result. Why? Why? Because built into God's commandments, His intention from the beginning was to bless them through the commandment. You see, so many people, when it comes to God's Word, so many people, they want God's blessing. In other words, they want a family life that is together and unified. They want children who obey and honor their parents. They want, a, uh, they want a life whereby they have honor from other people and people respect them. People want a life that is, you know, we have this kind of idealized, uh, you know, picture in our mind of what the good life is. They want a stable finances and they want, you know, they want, uh, uh, like I said, family unity and they want, a, they want their, their boss to give them promotions and they want these good things and none of those are bad. They want that, but oftentimes what, what they want is they want the blessing that, that is found in the commandments of God without the commandments of God. But the thing is, the blessing comes out of obeying the commandments of God. You see, if God gave them all the commandments and all these things with all dietary laws and various laws about morality and various sacrifices and all those kinds of things, and they probably scratched their head and said, I don't get all this. Can, we just, can you just give us the blessing? I mean... But God said, if they obey the commandment, they will get the blessing from the commandment. The commandment's design was to cause them, for their lives to go well. You see that? That's God's intention. You see, that's God's heart. It is a lie of the devil that obeying God's commandments takes away your happiness. It is a lie, listen to me, it is a lie of the devil that walking according to God's word takes away your happiness and joy and fun. Now, it is within that obedience that we have all the benefits that we want. You see? Now, there's a few verses I want to read to you along this, along this line. 
The first, if for time's sake, if you don't want to turn there, you don't have to, but I'll just turn there and read it. James chapter 1, and I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to uh, preach what Pastor Stewart is planning on preaching very shortly, but he'll probably preach on this. But uh, verse 25, James 1.25, notice the end of the verse. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer, notice what he says. So you got a hearer, someone who hears the word, but then you have, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the, what? Doer of the work. That means he heard the word, what God wanted him to do. You could say the commandments. And then he did the commandment. What's the next line say? This man, the doer, the obedient man, shall be blessed in his what? Deed. The blessing is not in hearing. The blessing is in the doing because within the commandment is the blessing. And so when we obey and we do God's will, the blessing comes out for us to receive. In other words, God has all, God has all kinds of directions about raising our children and the way we deal with our finances and how we interact with other people personally in, in our job and in our church. And, and I mean, anything and everything the Lord teaches on any, uh, one quote I heard said, any part, any essential part of life, the Bible says something about it. And God has commandments about these things. Do this, don't do that. And we think, oh, he just tells us what to do all the time. Do, thou shalt, thou shalt not. But but it is through those things. It is through those things that we get the blessing that God intends. Let me give you another one from, from uh, Proverbs 29 before we move to the second one. Proverbs 29, verse Number 18. Some of you have probably memorized this verse, but probably the first part. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, that's the commandments, what does it say? Happy is he. The effect of obedience upon the one who listens to the Lord is what? Happiness. Because through that obedience, God's, the Lord has set in motion these things that make your life better. That make people respect you. That make your finances more prosperous. That make sometimes even, I, I know the Lord doesn't have, you know, there's no promise that we'll have good health. But I can tell you one thing, living a life of sin will hurt your health. <laughs> So the point is, is we don't live for all those blessings. But as we saw with Israel in Deuteronomy chapter, uh, chapter 5, verse 29, God says, I wish they would obey my commandments so it would go well with them. That's what God wants. He wants us to get those, those benefits. But those benefits only come to those who, who, who obediently desire to Follow what he says. He has designed it that way. Now, let me clarify something. 
This doesn't mean we try, to, we try really, really hard to obey God's commandments so that God will love us. That's not what I'm talking about. So that God will have grace upon us. No. Love and grace and mercy are things that you don't earn. So when we talk about the love of God and the grace of God and the mercy of God, that is not the blessings I'm referring to. That's not what he's He already loved Israel here. He's already led them 40 years through the wilderness. He redeemed them from the house of bondage. He loves them already. But he's not going to give them the blessings that only come but through obedience. There's blessings in there. That doesn't mean if they don't obey, and we know they didn't, that God doesn't love us. No, no, he loves us. That will not change, especially as, as we are in the New Testament. We are God's children. That will never change. That will never change. Nothing good or bad that we do will ever change God's love and grace and heart and disposition toward us ever. He has promised. We're not performing to make God love us. We're not obeying to make God love us. In fact, our obedience comes on, in the reverse because God does love us. We, the response is obedience with joy. But it is true, however, that obeying God's commandments within those commandments are a blessing for His children now too. And absent that obedience, if we think, look, just put it plainly, if we think as God's children that we're going to get the blessings of a good a good godly family and children who love God and our financial stability and, and all these other things that we hope to have without obeying God's word and will, we are mistaken. God wants those things for us because that's his disposition toward us. But those things are to be found within obedience. Second thing I want you to see is the order. God heard their words in verse 28. The words were good. The words were good. The words were good, but the words were just words. In verse 28, he says, Oh, that there were such an heart in them. Now notice the, notice the progression. Oh, that there were such an heart in them. Notice the next word that they would fear me and keep all my commandments. And then there's another, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. So it starts with the what? The heart. And if that heart is in them, that God is, of which God is speaking, they will fear and obey His commandments. And when they do that, it will go well with them. They will experience the blessings that God intended when he gave them the command, which is what I just said. But the progression, notice the progression. It's the heart, then the obedience, then the blessing. It's the heart, then the obedience, then the blessing. You cannot skip the middle step. Everybody that you talk to that names the name of Christ will tell you that they love God. That God is the most important thing in their life. That God is, no one is more important than God. 
They love him so much. How do you know? Because they tell you. And God says, oh, that they had a heart that they would obey. You see, if the heart is right, the inward man, the affection toward God is right. The obedience is the natural progression. God doesn't say, oh, that they would obey. What did he say? What did he say? Oh, that they had a heart. You see? Oh, that they had a heart. For the Christian whose heart is not with God, obedience comes so with such difficulty. But to the Christian who's, who, who, whose heart God has, like in Proverbs, my son, give me thine heart. Now we know that's not really God speaking. It's a father speaking to a son, but the application is there. If God has our heart, the obedience comes easily. And when we got the obedience, the blessing's right there waiting. And in, in fact, in the book of Deuteronomy, I actually did a search, book of Deuteronomy, 4 verse 9, 4 verse 29, 4 39, 5 29, 6 5, 6 6, 7 17, 8 2, on and on and on. There's at least, I counted 36 times in the book of Deuteronomy that God addresses the heart of Israel. Even when he's talking about their obedience. But before he gets there, he talks about the heart. We should ask ourselves, do we, do we find it difficult to obey the Lord? Is it grievous? We know his commandments aren't grievous, but sometimes if we're honest, we find them grievous. Right? Why? It's our heart. It's our heart. Our heart is not right with God. So we see the progression. Your heart has to be right with the Lord so that you can obey the Lord and in obedience is found the blessing. And the last thing I want, to, want us to look at really quick and we'll be finished is God's heart, the emotion. See, if you look at chapter 4, verse, verse uh, 40, look at verse 39, chapter 4, verse 39. In this verse, God says essentially the same thing as he says in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 29. In other words, the, the main content is the same. But listen to the language. It's different. Thirty-nine, Chapter 4, verse 39 says, Know therefore this day and consider it in thine heart. There's one of the examples of, he doesn't just say consider, he says consider it in your heart, but anyhow. That the Lord, he is God in heaven above and upon the earth beneath, and there is none else. Thou shalt keep therefore his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee this day, that it may go well with thee. See, is that not the same language? See, you can see what God wants. God wants 
good things to happen to Israel because they obey. Do good things happen? I'm just trying to reiterate this. Do good things happen to you because you walk with God? Yeah. I mean, Joseph, at your job, if you, if you, didn't, if you weren't an honest and a straightforward and a, and a person of integrity and a person who was punctual and all the things that come with that, are people going to respond the same way as somebody who just drags in whenever and, you know, half asleep or what? you know? No, it's different, and there's a benefit in that. And that's just one small example. Can you have a good relationship with your husband or with your wife if you violate what God plainly says about the relationship with the husband and wife? Is a wife going to be a nice wife if a husband doesn't love her? Is the husband going to respond right if his wife doesn't know how to submit? No way. Those are benefits that spring out of obedience. All right, I'm, I'm backtracking here. So in verse 40, thou shalt therefore keep his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee this day. You know, I just love the fact that God wants, God wants good things for us. That's, that's just a wonderful, that's just a wonderful thought. That God's up in heaven. I mean, you know the verse that says, I hath not seen. Come on, help me. Come on. I'm, I'm embarrassing myself like I did the other service. I have not seen nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. So God is sat, God, God, has, God is, has, I guess, is sat up in heaven just inventing things, just creating things by his creative divine mind, however that works, things that will just wow his people. Why? Because someone has, he has to? No, because he wants to. That's amazing. In the commandments, God has, has put within the commandments blessings that he hopes we unwrap by obedience. It's amazing that God is so inclined toward us. When we have, almost, we have nothing to offer him. And he says, I want it to go well with thee. Now we know there are things that come in our life like Job, like Jeremiah, like Isaiah, like Hosea, like many, many, many other people in the Scripture and outside of the Scripture whose lives were difficult. And we know there's always exceptions, but even those people would testify that blessings come from obedience. And God intended it that way. So he says, verse 40, that it may go well with thee and with thy children after thee, and that thou mayest prolong thy days upon the earth, which the Lord thy God giveth thee forever. You think of one of the commandments of the ten that we just read, right? Is honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the earth. You see that? That's an example of the blessing is encapsulated within the commandment. But you notice what 40 doesn't have, verse 40, chapter, 40, chapter 4, verse 40. It doesn't have the emotion. It's just cold words. I mean, relatively. God says the same thing, but the tone's different. I love the tone. Because the tone tells us something about God's heart. Does it not? The tone tells us something about God's heart. God says in verse 29 of chapter 5, by contrast, Oh, that there were such an heart in them. 
That's an interjection. That's a cry from the heart of God, a cry of desire that this progression that, has, that we've seen in verse 29 actually comes to pass. God desires, can I say, longs for our obedience. Back that up. He longs for our heart, which leads to obedience, which then leads to the blessing that he rejoices to give to us in obedience. You know, I've been, I've been studying, I've been working through this book called uh, The Kingdom of the Cults by Walter Martin. It's the textbook of the class I'm teaching at Tabernacle, which is cults. Pretty, it's a pretty dry class, pretty dry book. But what I'm, what I'm, uh, what I just finished today was the was the chapter on Islam, and so it describes the Muslim view of God, and of course the Muslim view of God is He's transcendent and He's sovereign and He's He's distant and He's of course they give lip service to He's merciful, but it's always you always get this picture of the God of Islam as a distant kind of foreboding figure that really couldn't care if you lived or died, but is kind of bound by maybe what he said, that he's got a, I'll let you live this time, you worm. That's kind of the picture you get of him. Just Maybe that's just in my imagination. And then we read in Deuteronomy, and in the midst of the Ten Commandments. Now, now follow this. In the midst of the Ten Commandments, which is by far the scariest event in the, li- in the, the, the life of the nation of Israel. God is speaking to them from a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud from the top of a mountain. They are absolutely mortified. He, he just got them doing that. He just got done doing that. Now, this is a, a, a recollection of that event, but he just got done giving that Ten Commandments. He wanted to scare them into obedience, and, and we view the Old Testament and the law and the, the Ten Commandments as, as kind of God standing over. You see, the, you're going to get the picture of lightning, and that's in the New Testament too, the description of Mount Sinai. So it's true. That is the way it is. God wanted it to seem like that. But then what he does in Deuteronomy 5 is he opens a little window And he says, but this is what I'm thinking and hoping and desiring. And so you see, so you see the other side. You see his heart. He gives the commandments, they're strict. He's serious. He wants them to fear him. But then in heaven, in God's heart, I mean, this is God's words, what he is saying of himself. He says, oh, that they had a heart. Oh, that they had a heart. That they would obey. That they would get, that, that it might be well with them. You see God's heart plain. And so what you see is you see the heart. I think what you have in the New Testament, this is the same God, right? What you have in the New Testament is you have that heart, which was there the entire time, God gives us a little peep into that 
into his heart right here in verse 29. And it's almost startling when you read the context. When you read, verse, when you read this uh, chapter, it's almost startling when you get to verse 29 because it's so different. But in the gospel, you have this heart open wide that this is what God wanted from the very beginning. His heart is God. The Bible says God is love. And so you see, the Lord shows, shows us, even in the midst of the commandments, the fire, the lightning, the smoke, the fear, the noise, you see the Lord's intention, what He wants. It's just a blessing to see. And it helps us to understand Him and who He is and what His desire for us is. And when we know His desire, it makes his commandments, it gives his commandments a completely new light. Let's pray.